Hi, and welcome to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and pivoting to digital for the whole TRU community. I'm your host, Brenna Clark Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends at Learning Technology and Innovation. We're housed over in Open Learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tkamloops Te Swetmuk within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmukulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. Hi, friends. We're really doing this, hey? We're really doing this fully online semester. <laughs> I hope you're feeling ready. It's Labor Day when this episode comes out. And um, because it's Labor Day, I actually really want to talk to you about rest. Um, it's something many of us are notoriously bad at. <laughs> How many of you are working today? It's okay. You don't have to admit it. I'm recording this episode on the Thursday night before Labor Day. It's after 9.30. Uh, it's the only time my house is quiet. I have a three-year-old. And I'm mindful that this is time that I should be resting. And I'm not. So I'm coming to you from a place of love, <laughs> if not a place of hypocrisy. But I think a conversation about rest is actually kind of urgent, especially right now. So let's get into it. Teaching expands to fill time, hey? It's probably not a controversial statement. We all know that, you know, you get that course release and where did it go? <laughs> it doesn't really seem any different. Um, and I think for most of us who work in the university, regardless of our role, our work expands to fill time because so many of us really love what we do. And it's easy when you love what you do to convince yourself you don't need rest. You don't need breaks. You got this. You do got this, by the way. I don't know if you noticed the name of the podcast. <laughs> but for those of you who are moving into teaching fully online, it's worth remembering that online teaching does often take more time. Communicating with students is often a more laborious process, and the courses themselves can be overstuffed. If you've come to summer camp this summer, you won't be surprised by a study uh, recently of nursing courses that found that when we transition a class from face-to-face -to, -face to fully online, that fully online version can take 6 to 24 hours more per week for students to accomplish than the face-to-face -face iteration. Wow, right? That's bad for students, for obvious reasons, but it's also bad for you as the instructor that's a tremendous additional load you're taking on. More marking, more communicating, more engaging. It's not easy. But it's also not easy to resist the pull and to add more. We worry that our students aren't getting the content and they're not with us and we can't see them engaging. We're not sure they understand. The temptation to pile more content on top, just to make sure we've covered our bases, is there all the time. I'm going to share in the show notes for today some tools uh, like a workload calculator that you can take a look at to see if maybe in these last few hours before classes start, there may be something you can strip back, something you can pull away for the benefit of students so they can focus on what really matters and also for the benefit of you. 
we don't talk about that part enough um, in teaching and learning circles, but your workload matters. And not from a nuts and bolts perspective, but because especially now, you need to be in a place where you can extend grace to your students. You're going to be asked for extensions. You're going to have students who are sick and who need help and who need you to understand. And you have to be in a place where that's possible. And I really think that sometimes the rigidity of the academy, the difficulty we have in extending grace, the temptation that our profession has to mock students who ask for extensions on Twitter, to push against the idea of accommodating this moment, I think that often comes from an inability to extend grace to ourselves. Uh, We're hard on ourselves. Hey, I know I am. I didn't write as much as I wanted to this summer. And even with all the programming we put on, there's a million ideas on the shelf that we didn't get to do. And I feel that. I feel that acutely. It's hard for me to rest when I recognize that there's so much else to be doing. But I'm also learning as I get older and wiser, (laughs) I hope, that that rest is critical to my ability to serve. And being of service is really important to me. So I want you to think as you prepare in these last few hours before everything goes live, how can you build in space for rest and rejuvenation for yourself? And what does that look like? It's different for everyone, you know. I've recently come to realize that planning out my week isn't just about being a little bit of a control freak, guilty as charged, (laughs) but much, much more importantly, it's an act of self-care for me to see my whole week at a glance, to have a plan, and to be ready to enact it. And the weeks that I don't do that because I don't think I have the time to take for myself to do that are weeks where I get less done and I feel frazzled. And I don't even really like that language about rest that makes it so transactional. You don't need to rest because you owe something to someone else. You need to rest because you need rest. You've worked hard this summer. So many of you have worked so hard. And, you know, we've just gotten word that winter semester is going to be online too. You're going to be working hard for a while. So what are some strategies for establishing space for rest? One thing that I find instructors who are new to the fully online space feel is quite overwhelmed by the component of communicating with students. Um, The 24-7 nature of asynchronous learning can make it feel like you need to be available 24-7. I don't think that's true. Sometimes your students will inundate you with emails, but... I find in my experience that that happens less because students really expect you to answer that email at 4 a.m. and more because they're not sure when to expect you to answer that email. So setting up a really clear communication policy with students, this is when I answer my emails, this is when you can expect a response, and this is when you can't, can be really helpful in establishing some boundaries so that you don't feel like you need to be checking Moodle at 3 in the morning. Not that I know what that's like at all. (laughs) I think you should be conservative when you lay out that policy. It's better to overshoot the mark than to have students expecting a response within 24 hours and you not making it. And I think that you should post it really clearly in your course so that 
students know when to expect that you'll be available. The same is true for responses to forum posts, for example, um, or if you're planning to post a weekly blog. Giving students a heads up about when that material is going to come. On the one hand, it's part of building community, being predictable and reliable and present. On the other hand, it's about protecting space and time for yourself and making clear when you are on the clock also makes it clear when you're off the clock. So if you haven't done that yet, I really encourage you to take the time to do so. The other thing you might want to think about is whether or not you have any course policies or practices in your classroom that are actually creating work for you without a lot of benefit. For me, an example of this was having a really strict attendance policy, which I sort of inherited when I started teaching without really thinking about why I wanted to have an attendance policy in my classroom. And one day, a few years into teaching, I was collating attendance and realizing how much I hate collating attendance. Like I hate it so, so much. <laughs> I'm even bad at taking attendance at workshops. I don't know if you've noticed. And so I stopped because I couldn't really figure out why I was doing it in the first place. I couldn't have articulated to you what I gained from it. And so I got rid of it and it took a burden off me. Think about things like the late penalties that you set in class or the number of assignments, your expectations of yourself for feedback. Think about where you're investing that energy. Much better to give students feedback early in the term, right? Uh, and save that marathon session you normally do on the final paper because no one's reading those comments anyway. Let's be real. <laughs> of course, there are tools in the learning management system that can help you with this. Those of you who like rubrics might like to check out that functionality in the learning management system, and I'll link some resources for that in the show notes. I come back to this idea that we can only extend grace to others when we extend grace to ourselves. And sometimes I feel quite trapped in a profession that doesn't extend grace readily. If there's one thing I hope the academy as a whole learns from this pandemic, it's grace. And let's try to start with ourselves. Okay. This week's conversation is with Jamie Drozda, my friend and colleague at Learning Technology and Innovation. A year ago, I arrived at TRU having never logged into Moodle before, and Jamie turned me into a Moodle guru. Well, I hope. I'm not of her caliber, but I sort of know my way around a Moodle shell. Here's our chat. Okay, so today I am chatting with Jamie Drozda. Jamie, would you introduce yourself, uh, your title, and how people like most likely interact with you on campus? Uh, well, my name is Jamie Drozda, and I am a learning technologist at TRU for Open Learning, but I work primarily with face-to-face -face campus faculty. Generally, right now, um, either online through Big Blue Button or over the phone or email support is how people get in touch with me. Yes. So if they've sent a message to Moodle support at tru.ca in like the last, what, five years, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> you would have answered pretty much? I would have answered, yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, Jamie taught me basically everything I understand about Moodle. So I'm very grateful slash deeply resentful of <laughs> Jamie for that reason. Um, so Jamie, the theme of this week's episode, because it's going to launch on or 
release on um, Labor Day is rest and workload. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you because you're probably one of the busiest people on campus just in terms of the amount of workload you carry. Um, and you've seen a lot of Moodle shells over the years. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how people maybe overthink or overdo their shells or create more work for themselves that they don't have to? Like, are there things that you see people do that you think are maybe a waste of energy or something they could they could cut back on and still have a really great course? For based on my experience um, and what I've seen, the way people cause themselves the most work is by underutilizing what Moodle has to offer. If that Interesting. makes sense. It does. Yeah. Can you say a bit more? Um, yes. I think a lot of people still manage part of their course through their email, through Outlook. Mm-hmm. So accepting assignment submissions, um, communicating with students via email, and that generates a lot of noise. So just thinking um, with the last person I spoke to, it was a class of 28 students that they, she has currently enrolled right now, and she's planning on accepting all of the assignments uh, via email, and there was four assignments in the course overall. Well, that right there is 120 emails that she has to bring into oh her God. into her Outlook and then download the submissions, mark them up, and another 120 replies Whereas when I talked to her through using the assignment Dropbox four times and how you could download all those submissions in one shot mm-hmm. and then read them, they get saved to the folder by student's name and then re-upload them to Moodle and never once having to touch Outlook. So that's just one example of how you could uh, lower some of your um, course administrative time by using some of the tools in Moodle. That's a really good example because I think it's one that comes from a place of maybe anxiety about learning the tool, right? Like it, it on the surface, if you're comfortable with your Outlook and not at all comfortable in Moodle, it might feel like, like this is easier, right? Like I know how right. to get an email, I know how to save a file. But yeah, you in in the case you're describing, that person has to keep track of all those emails. They might come in, you know, two weeks early, what happens to that essay? Does it get lost? They're all going to be named something different. So finding them again on your computer once you have saved them can be tricky. Um, And you're just doing it all by hand. So you might set it up that way thinking like, I'm saving myself heartache. I don't want to have to learn how to use this tool or I'm quite intimidated by learning the tool. Um, But once someone walks you through the tool, you can see because I'm guessing this instructor realized as soon as you described the mechanism by which the assignment tool works, that it was a much better option for what they wanted to do. Right. And, you know, previously, um, all assignments were printed and handed mm-hmm. in hard copy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can write on them, you can mark them up, you can read them, you can physically touch them. Outlook was never involved before. So there really was no knowledge of um, the assignment Dropbox in the first place. Mm-hmm. So really, realistically, they were thinking, well, this is how I'm going to have to do it. So yeah. Coming to talk to us about how you facilitated your face-to-face course, we can really, and you included, myself and you, can really walk people through 
some of the tools that Moodle has to offer in place of the face-to-face classroom that can minimize some of your workload. And one thing I really respect about the way you approach those questions from faculty is you're very honest about what you think Moodle does well and what you think it doesn't do well, right? Like I've often heard you steer faculty away from tools that maybe aren't ideal for what that faculty member is trying to accomplish or just are kind of a pain. Like there's this great, there's this conceptually great thing in the learning management system called the workshop tool that lets you like (laughs) set up peer reviews for students. Um, And it sounds really good on paper. And even when you read the documentation, it's like, yeah, like I'm into this. It's, it's peer, it's collaborative. It's, it's super engaging. And I don't think, I mean, maybe you have Jamie, but I've never dealt with one that wasn't a complete nightmare from the back end. It's, it's a hard tool to set up. And it's also a hard tool to keep, it works in phases. So you have to keep moving it to the next phase. And there's always a little bit of setup on the next phase, even though you think you've done the whole setup up front, when you actually move it along, there's a little bit more. So I have seen people use it successfully, but it's onerous and time consuming. So for those reasons, I don't recommend it if you're, really not wanting to um I thought I had that muted (laughs) I guess I can't (laughs) this is how busy Jamie is (laughs) all the time okay anyways the workshop tool yes it's very onerous and time consuming it's a lot of work up front and a lot of work the whole way through and the the faculty who I know that have had successful runs with it Um, we've been in constant contact the whole way through the assignment and we've worked through the issues together Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to say that I could exactly guide them on the issues because there's so many that we literally work through them together. And I really like that approach that you take with helping folks set up their courses where you, you're really like, you can use this tool, but here are the problems we've had with it. Here's the kind of maintenance and always, Jamie, you give them another option. Like maybe you could do this peer review exercise actually as a forum exercise instead. And here's how we would set that up. Um, Yeah. yeah, And I've learned a lot from you and your approach that way, because I think, I think my tendency would be to like bulldoze through and try to like ham fistedly make it work. And, you know, that's great sometimes, but it's also a big waste of everybody's time a lot of the times. And time is what we don't have enough of right now. And it sure can be a waste of time using some of these tools. One one thing, and I, you've heard me say it so many times, is that Moodle is built for kindergarten straight through to higher ed. Mm-hmm. So there's some of these tools that they look great. They seem great. They're, they're well marketed on the Moodle documentation site, but they're really not meant in a higher ed situation. They're really, mm-hmm. they're going to cause you grief and work. Speaking of work, Jamie, <laughs> um, it's uh, we're recording this a week out, but this episode's going to come out, as I say, on Labor Day. Um, and I think that you and I are spending a lot of time uh, in the back of our minds anyway, being a little bit anxious or nervous about the workload that's coming, um, mm-hmm. not just for ourselves, but for campus as a whole, just like everyone. <laughs> There's this onslaught yeah. and we're in the middle of it right now and we don't really know when it's going to let up. I wonder um, if you were going to tell somebody what the best workflow is for them 
to get help with an issue that they're struggling with in Moodle? If you could like give someone the ideal process to follow to get their problem resolved as quickly as possible under the circumstances, where would you send them first? I would, it depends on the problem. Mm -hmm. It it always depends. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Um, If it's, if you're wanting to help with the learning management system, I would definitely start with Moodle support at tru.ca. And I always like to recommend that if this is kind of a crisis mode situation, give us a telephone number we can reach you at. Um, and the best time of day to call because in September, that's our busiest month of the year every year without a pandemic. So this month, this September, I'm assuming is going to be two or three times as busy as usual. But if you give us a phone number and the time of day we can call, usually Mm -hmm. we can resolve issues or get you set up if you're brand new to Moodle really quickly. I think you'd be quite surprised if we can do it over the phone. And there's things we just can't relay, um, little nuances over email and text. Yeah. So that would be my first my first recommendation. If you are ta- wanting to discuss something outside of the learning management system, but it's still learning technologies, send an email uh, to learningtech@tru.ca. And it's still us, but it gives us a way to filter and maybe assign the ticket to the best person on the team. Yeah. And then if you're looking for help with true employee or banner or class lists or anything like that, um, outlook issues, contact the it service desk. They're wonderful. Yeah. And, and it's not that we don't want to help you. It's, we don't have permissions on any of those systems. To, exactly. <laughs> to do we anything. don't have the administrative yeah. permissions, nor do we have the expertise. So I no. would definitely, and even do the same thing. IT services is great. Send them an email and say, can you please call me at, I need mm-hmm. help with this, this, and this, and they'll assign it to their right people. And someone, people, we are happy to give you a call back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we absolutely are. And I think you've you've pointed out two useful things there for folks. One is um, try to be as specific as possible in articulating your problem. Um, we do have to triage the tickets as they come through. And if you just write, I need help, even if you do give us your phone number, it's hard to know, A, who the best person is to send in your direction, and B, you know, we like to prep our answer before we call you. We like to sort of know what we're coming into. So trying yeah. to be as specific as possible is helpful. And also... You notice Jamie gave the Moodle support and the learning tech email addresses, and I'll include those in the show notes so people have them there as well. Um, You might think it's faster to contact someone directly. Like I know we all really like to speak to like a real person and contacting someone directly seems like it'll be faster. Um, But I think Jamie and I are in the same boat where like we often don't get to our own email inboxes until fairly late in the day because mm-hmm. we we do the tickets first. We prioritize the tickets first, right? Yeah. The learning tech and the Moodle support tickets are our first my first priority. And then I go to my inbox. So it could be a day or two before you get a reply from the inbox. And then mm-hmm. even at that, it could be longer because if it's you know, if you're emailing something for video help or whatever, I'm going to send your email to Learning Tech and then I'm going to update the ticket and send that off to a person who's better suited to help you. Mm-hmm. So it would take longer and, and in some cases significantly longer. 
Yeah. So using what you might think of as being like the generic email address, it isn't really. <laughs> You've got a whole team of people answering those tickets instead of just just the one person you're addressing the email to. So it is faster. And it is largely you and I. So you are reaching the same people you want. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. We're hoping that we will have some support through the fall and they'll be able to access those tickets, but not our inboxes. So it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to use the general address. Yeah. Um, Jamie, if you could give someone who's brand new to teaching in Moodle a tip just in terms of how they interact with the tool or how they negotiate with it, what would you, like if you would only tell them one thing and then they had to go and teach their class, what do you think you'd tell them? That's a really hard question. (laughs) That's a hard hitting interview. That's a really, really hard question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would tell them, I would tell them two things. I would teach them how to Uh, get that Moodle course shell into edit mode. Mm -hmm. And I would also walk them through how to make an announcement because announcements are one-way communication between yourself and your students. Uh, They can't reply and they can't reply in Moodle to the announcement, but you can get content out to them very quickly or, you know, something you need to know. I used to use the example um, prior to March if you were sick and couldn't make class, that's a way you could tell your students that class was canceled really quickly. Yeah. But now it might be, um, I'm going to have office hours from mm-hmm. 10 till 12 today. Join me if you can. It could mm-hmm. be an impromptu set of office hours you want to relay to them. So Totally. Or maybe yeah. you've had a bunch of requests for extensions and you're pushing the essay back a week. The announcement's yeah. a great way to let everybody know that that change is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and turning editing on because that is the number one thing that I still screw up when I'm swearing at Moodle. It's usually because I forgot to turn editing on even after a year, Jamie. <laughs> it gets everyone. But the nice thing is, is it's going to become very obvious. And anyone who's been using Moodle for any length of time will be so excited to know that the turn editing on button is coming back. I can't say when. <laughs> I thought it was when. going to be this weekend, but it's not this weekend. Maybe next weekend. We don't know for sure, but Fingers at crossed. some point, the turn editing on button's coming back. So <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. I'm excited about that. I am too. I'm also excited about that new arrow that's going to return you to the top of the screen. Yes. I'm very excited about that too. This is the kind of thing we get jazzed about <laughs> over in Learning Tech. <laughs> yeah. I think the upgrades are going to be subtle. Um, and what you do notice that you'll be excited about, you'll go, why didn't they think of this sooner? And it, yeah. it will be more of intuitive for everyone, I think. I think so too. I'm actually really excited because I think it's not going to be so many changes that folks are going to feel overwhelmed. Um, it's just going to be some nice quality of life issues. That's yeah. my hope. Yeah. Um, Okay, Jamie, I guess last thing, sort of an open question to end with, is there anything you would like faculty and staff and community at TRU, you know, assuming every single person listens to this very good podcast that we make. Um, (laughs) uh, Is there anything you'd want the community to know that you think they don't know right now about the work we do or about supporting learning online? There's a lot. (laughs) That that again is really hard to narrow down to one thing, but I think really just just getting the word out that we're here Mm -hmm. and we're here to answer really any question you can think of, whether it's just on how to use a specific type of technology or, 
or questions about what technology is available, questions about best practices. Um, we're here for you, basically. Um, yeah. And don't hesitate to reach out because I, I quite frankly really enjoy what I do and I know mm-hmm. you do as well. So we mm-hmm. get really excited, especially about the different questions. Oh yeah. The yeah. ones that the ones that are a little bit less technical. Um, it's very exciting to shift gears and jump in and help and share expertise and knowledge. I totally agree with that. And it's um yeah, it is it is our job. It is what we're here for, and it is fun. Most mm-hmm. days. Infinite grade book questions are sometimes my hard days because as you know, Jamie, I can't do math. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you just don't enjoy it as much as I do. <laughs> Jamie gets all the grade book questions. She's good at math. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to chat, Jamie. Yeah, you're welcome. So that is it for episode two of You Got This on this beautiful Labor Day. I hope you're resting. Maybe you're not even listening to this on Labor Day. Maybe it's two weeks after. (laughs) That is the nature of podcasting and asynchronous learning, which as you know, I'm a fan of. You can find show notes and transcripts of every episode of You Got This at yougotthis.truebox.ca. Feel free to send email, um, feedback, ideas, thoughts about guests to gray at tru.ca, or you can find me on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's Gray with an A. Speaking of people writing in, I just wanted to thank Marie for her helpful comment on the interstitial music being a little loud. We've dampened it down this week, Marie. Let me know if it helps. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip. Generosity. Is there a space in your course where you could introduce some generosity where there hasn't been generosity before? Can you extend a deadline, drop an assignment, relieve some grades, relieve some pressure? Can you think about a way to extend generosity to yourself as well as to your students? Can you find a way to do that before classes start? That's my little challenge for you this week. And um, until next time... I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.